The Mandalorian seeks a new purpose. A new ship is built. Boba Fett takes the week off and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian. I'm sorry, we didn't watch The Mandalorian? What you're saying is that episode we just watched was the book of Boba Fett. Are you sure? Because all the characters were the Mandalorian characters. Like, there was like two seconds at the end. That was Book of Boba Fett. No? Okay. Okay. My mistake. I'm sorry. Okay. The Sky Guys are back to recap Chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett. All right. We are back here on the Sky Guys recapping Chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett also known as The Return of the Mandalorian. Literally, that's the episode title. Joining me today, first up, the man whose voice you hear in the narration every single week. Long, longer appearance of Pete Consori in the top there today. Pete, how are you? Yeah, we switched it up this week. I feel like, hey, why not? They switched it up on us on the show, so let's switch it up in the VO. Yeah, great to be here, of course, talking Star Wars with you two. is always a pleasure. Um, can't wait to get into it today. As also with us today, and I mentioned on the top here, I'm Mike Phillips. I'm one of these Sky Guys, along with Pete. Also with us today, the armorer of our podcast, Nick Frieda is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Um, very confused. Um, in a good way, I, I think. But um, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, because I mean, when I turn this on and when the first two seconds of the episode pop up, I'm just sitting there sitting just going... Oh my god i'm like this they really did that yeah it, it was i mean if you're referring to like how he entered the opening scene like everything it was it's awesome it was we'll get to some of the issues with that first but for now i want to touch on something we've been building on for the last couple weeks this whole idea that the podcast is pointing out that the show itself the book of boa fett has some issues with the idea of a direction of where it's going. And I found a good article on The Hollywood Reporter this week. I'm going to try and screen share this in the podcast so that the audience watching on the video version can see what's going on here. I'm going to pop that in here right now. And the title of this article here says, Book of Boa Fett faces a challenging home stretch. With three episodes left, the Disney Plus series shaking up to be the show fans feared The Mandalorian would become. It makes a lot of interesting points here, Pete. We, we, we all read this before the show started here, talking about, you know, oh, Boba Fett was supposed to be the badass, and then all of a sudden, Mando got all his cool qualities. Now, here comes Boba Fett, and we don't know what to do with him. We haven't done much with him in the entire show. And the point they sum up pretty well here is that we have had four things to learn about Boba Fett in the course of the series. After his escape from the Sarlacc, he's taken as a slave by Tuskens for earning their trust and respect. But two, the Tuskens are killed by a rival gang, whom we then kill as revenge. Meanwhile, the present day, three, Boba is preparing to fight a rival crime syndicate who appears making claims to his territory. And Pete, I think that's the show in pretty much a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, every everything is, uh, it's like deja vu, right? We've been talking about this for about four weeks. We're on week five now. Um, I know I have mirrored a lot of the points in the past that this article brings up. Um I think this article, you know, hits the nail on the head. I mean, I'm sure you'll link this and you screen shared it too. Um, give that article a read and actually kind of think about what we're watching, right? Um, episode by episode, and I've said this before, episode by episode, they're not bad episodes as a single, if I'm just going to watch ep one episode of the show, I'm going to turn on a watch and see what happens. They're not bad. As a whole, as, as to what this show means to the, excuse me, to, as to what these episodes mean to the show, they mean nothing. And to have a season long 
of meaning nothing. It just doesn't work. Uh, I always like to bring it back to the Clone Wars show. If we said that 90% of the show made no connections whatsoever to each other and like 10% did, we wouldn't consider that season to be a success. Um, this show has a very a smaller season um, outline, seven episodes. We got two episodes left. Uh, I, I said it once, and I'll say it again. The show's dead. Yeah, and Nick, you read the article as well. I'm going to link to it in the show notes for anybody who hasn't had a chance to check it out. Yes, it's from the Hollywood Report. I want to give credit to who to the author of this article. So give me one second to go to the top here and see if they have it listed on the article here. It was by Graham McMillan. So good job by Graham. Nick, what do you think about what he had to say? I don't fully agree. It's slow, but it's awesome. People love it. This episode was the best episode of live action Star Wars I've ever seen outside of the finale of season two of the Mandalorian. It was unreal. It was perfect in every way. And yeah, he'd make everything he says. I don't agree. I don't disagree with. I agree with what he's saying as in like, it's, it's just, it's like, I think he, I think he worded it. It's astoundingly slow to show and He's right. And going over the plot points of like, where we've gotten after five episodes and it's really nothing. It's really what you'd expect to get after one episode. But I can't wait for episode six. I literally can't wait to see it. So it's working in some way. It is in some way. And I want to get to the general point of this episode because we ended up with the, you know, start last episode, oh, we're going to hire some muscle. But then all of a sudden, my God, it's Mando's music. Mando is here, Pete, and Mando is here for the entire episode. So we spent the entire 51 minutes with Mando, including the credits, and we got basically the premiere of Mandalorian Season 3 in the little book of Boba Fett. So this was quite a choice. Yeah, it was a bold choice. Um, I think it's a choice of where they just didn't have enough Boba Fett content, too. Um I, this, I have to agree with Nick. This episode was very, very good. This was a very, very good live action Star Wars episode, standalone. Or if you want to link it to the Mandalorian and the Mandoverse in that sense. For the Book of Boba Fett, this comes out of left field. And the reason why I say that, because we kind of knew the Mandalorian was going to show up, or someone important from the Mandalorian show was going to show up as they did that teaser with the Mandalorian theme music at the end of chapter four. They they could have done it a different way. We didn't need to see the beginning of season three, let's call it, the prequel to season three of The Mandalorian. They they literally just went away from the book of Boba Fett and they just gave us an episode of The Mandalorian just thrown in there. Um, it, it, it makes for a choppier season, in my opinion. Fantastic episode. If we have to sit here and rate this episode, we'll see that you know, probably all of us are going to rate it high as an episode, but as a whole to, to, to tie into the show, it just, it doesn't make sense to go a full episode on the Mandalorian. Yeah. Nick. And I mean, we talked about this episode written by directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who did two of the great episodes of Mandalorian. She did chapter four, which was the one where he first sees Cara Dune on the, on the forest planet. They take down the ATSD. He nearly reveals, he nearly decides to stay with those people before he leaves. And then she directs, I believe the heiress were to Bo-Katan's live action debut. So we knew we were in good hands this episode. This episode was good, but again, like didn't fit with what we've been doing the entire season to this point. So it didn't. And I think it goes back to what I said on the preview show. If you try to make a show about the mafia and star Wars, it will not work. There's not enough content. 
and we're going to get at total two hours of content in this because you cannot make a show on the mafia in Star Wars. There's nothing to tell. But I don't mind that they did this at all because when Mandalorian season three comes out, let's say this episode never happened, the two questions on my mind or three questions are, what's Din going to do about a ship? What's he doing now after Grogu? What happened with Bo-Katan? We're getting that stuff answered. So when we go into Mandalorian season three, I don't have to watch him do the find a new ship for seven episodes or see what happened with Bo-Katan and the Darksaber for three. And how is he dealing with the empty nest syndrome of Grogu being gone? That's being answered for me now. Yeah, that's certainly a fair point. And I don't think they said in time. I remember back when this was announced that they basically said, this is Mandalorian season 2.5 is what the, what the Tyrant Islands we had heard at the time. They was, did Pete. say that. And Pete, I didn't think they were going to take it so literally. We actually could get a solid Mando subplot in the Book of Boba Fett that actually just stretches episodes along. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't think it's, it's a problem. I just think this whole season has been a train wreck. I, I just don't think after five episodes we should have so many questions and not really that much detail on the current timeline. I mean, I've been saying from the beginning, Book of Boba Fett season one, or maybe make the season longer, they should have just done straight episodes of how Boba Fett goes from the Sarlacc pit to killing Bib Fortuna. And then starting with the current timeline, just adding everything together to make it more concise. It just it, the, the, the season as a whole has proven that the organization has been terrible. And honestly, this Mandalorian episode and you know, episodes to follow may save the season only because of three episodes. Um, in my opinion, when I see that in a show, I don't think the show is a success. I think certain episodes are a success. So if they're going to save this show by having two more really badass episodes, I'm not going to be disappointed in those episodes. I'm going to be disappointed in the show as a whole. Yeah, Nick, I think Pete brings a good point. like, I'm with him where the sense like, you know what? Like I had fun today watching this. I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, like, if I would be happy if we get two more kick-ass episodes and Mando have any part of that obviously brings us up, but it does raise the question of why did we make this show when we had nothing really to work with apart from having to drag Mando in for it's not something that's not a Mando season. I think it comes down to how you how do you define if a show is successful? Is this show getting a second, third, fourth season? No, it's not. But is this show grabbing viewers and saying, if you're a Star Wars fan, you, this is must-watch television? Yeah. Next week is the most must watch episode of live action star wars ever because we're definitely getting luke skywalker again which is absurd we know it too last time we didn't even know we know we're getting luke skywalker in live action next week or at least we're gonna look for him that's insane this is this show has made everyone want to watch it whether or not the show itself is successful as in can it does it have sustainability to go longer? No, it doesn't. And is this is this is this season a train wreck in terms of story? Oh yeah. But is it grabbing people and saying you need to watch this? Yeah. Yeah, Pete. Before we dive, I'm gonna dive into Mando's actual like storyline in a second because he's basically the entire episode. But to me, the whole season sort of feels like this really, really, really bad fan fiction where we're sort of just slapping all these things together trying to make a story and then. I would expect more from a professional writing team than what we've gotten. Let me put it to you this way. If it wasn't Boba Fett, I don't think Nick would be having the same, um, or even many people are having the same uh, 
argument, right? Because what would be pulling you to this show if it wasn't Boba Fett? Let's just let's think of this this way. Let's say it was this no name character. Let's say it was another uh, Mandalorian, right, or something that we didn't know who this character was, brand new character, and this is what was happening. Would would we have the same opinion about? Oh, this show is grabbing people. You have to watch it because the male. I, I just feel like no. I think this is a lot of fan service. I think this is a lot of hey, you know Boba Fett from the you know older series. Excuse me, the older show, uh, movies. Um, people are coming back to see Boba Fett in action. Um, you're getting the answers that you wanted, like what happened after the Sarlacc bit and everything. Yeah, great. I, I, I like to take things in an objective way. If I'm getting into Star Wars now and the only ones I know, let's just say, are the movies, um, and I'm not like a huge Boba Fett fan or I'm not a huge Star Wars fan that way, and I go, oh, new Star Wars show, let me take a look at it, and it's about Boba Fett, and we're just watching this, and I'm confused the whole time, I may not tune in to get to the Mandalorian episode. I wonder if there are ratings depending on episodes, how many people dropped off and said, I'm, I'm not watching more of this after the first two episodes. Cause it reset so many times or even first three episodes. Um, I, I'm more of a technical guy when it comes to success of show. Um, Nick's hundred percent, right. It depends on what you consider success. People are watching it. That's a success, right? That's hundred percent. Correct. He's he's hundred percent correct on that. To me, if any movie franchise or if any, show relied on their last two or three installments i don't think anyone saying the show as a whole was a success granted when you look at numbers or when you look at marketing yes it might have been but let's say episodes one through seven or eight were horrible the movies and episode nine was phenomenal i don't think anyone will say the star wars saga was a great saga it was just that one that one last uh movie that saved it so that's where i'm coming from yeah, Nick, you raised a good point also, and I think it's a question here you want to raise in terms of, like, the whole success argument here is that, yes, people are watching it, but, like, as he said, I think you, I think we're now falling more on the side of Pete and the critics who are saying, hey, this show as a whole, like, the flow makes no sense, we're not really moving much with Boba, but you got people today, I think the fan reaction was also like, yes, Mando's back, finally a good episode, and, like, in that sense, if they give you two more episodes where Mando's a big part of it, and you're advancing that storyline, that's great, but... Again, to me, the show is called The Book of Boba Fett. It is not called Mandalorian Season 3. We just sat through an entire episode where Boba Fett did not appear. That, to me, is a problem. I think it's a problem, but I don't think seeing someone unknown is bad for this show. As in, like, what? because that's what Mandalorian Season 1 was. He yep. was unknown. So, I, I think this show is really dragging people in people are pumped you know I, I, the critics didn't like it i mean who do what, what critics didn't like it i saw critics are saying that the season is kind of going left and right sure but i don't know anyone who didn't like this episode no i'm just saying they like they like the episode they're saying it's like this is i see a lot of like oh it's a fun diversion is the it's, the fact that this is the best episode is a problem considering this this is not the thrust of the show i see a lot of stuff like that yeah, I, I agree that it's a problem for the overall show if this is the best episode, but I think this is definitely the best episode. So when we get to the ratings, it's kind of hard because you know, we'll get to it obviously later, but it is kind of hard because what do we do with it? It's clearly, the I think, clearly the best one, but you mentioned it's called the Book of Boba Fett, not the paragraph of Boba Fett. Yeah. He's not in it. Yeah. So... I see, you know, I see, I see where you're coming from. I do, but it's like this was like 
almost like um you know this is proof that these universe is connected or this universe is connected and everything this episode is kind of like showing you like it doesn't matter what show you're in you can get some time in this one like like have Tony Stark was a big player in Civil War. You're like, oh, this is a Captain America movie though. Like, why is Tony Stark having the main thing here? And not to say that he had the main thing. Like, I know they're pretty pretty much even in that movie, but I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just a little side quest, if you will. And like I said, it goes back to what I said in the preview show. There's just not enough story. There isn't. There is not enough story in the present. They had to do flashbacks. They had to do, I'm assuming, two full episodes of Mando exclusively. I don't think, I think you'll see Boba next episode. We'll get to our predictions, but I think most of this episode, the next episode, if not all, will be focused on the Mando again. And I think you're just going to see, which is a little disappointing because I thought we were going to see like bounty hunters coming in and a lot of recruiting. I don't think we're getting any of that. I think we're going to see the next episode what it is, and then the season's just going to end with. Everyone joining up on Tatooine again and taking down the pikes, and that's it. All right, let's go. I don't think you're. I don't think you're seeing Bosk and Pad Bane or any of them. All right, let's go ahead, folks. I think we gotta get into this episode and what we saw here. Yep. And let's start out here. I mean, we start out. Mando shows up at basically a alien butcher shop. He goes in. He has a bounty on the guy running the shop. You get this badass fight sequence in the thing, and he was interesting to see like Mando using the dark saber, and he's not capable of using it correctly. Ends up hurting himself during the fight and that's affecting him for a good part of this episode. So what do you think about Mando's first fight back? Uh, I think it was great. I think him struggling with that blade is, is a really good callback and we'll talk about callbacks from sure throughout this whole, um, this whole podcast, but I think him struggling with that blade is a really good callback to um, rebels. Um, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but um, I thought it was great. I mean, I, it, it, I felt like I was watching a Mandalorian episode. I think it was fantastic. Um, I do like why he's there. I, I understand the fight seems good. Um, yeah, just overall, like I, I don't, I don't really have anything bad to say about the episode, but yeah, overall that, that, that was a great scene. Yeah. Nick, I think obviously great fight. He ends up killing the guy using the black, the dark saber cut him in half and he cuts his head off and then he walks out. He sees all the workers there. He's like, Hey, like I only had a beef with your boss I have no issues with you guys. There's a whole pile of New Republic credits in there. You guys can go take what you want. You let me leave. So, again, we see that the more evolved Mando compared to just taking care of his own business and trying to help others at the same time. I feel like we've seen that Mando has grown in Mandalorian and started to develop here. Yes. Um, first off, I, I was a little surprised they showed him. I cut the head off. I was like, wow, that's a, this is Disney. I was actually kind of surprised by that. I mean, no, they didn't like show the blood or anything, but you know what I mean. Um. But one thing I noticed, especially with this scene, was the first thing that caught my attention was I thought the whole point of the Mandalorian show was to show that Grogu changed him. He doesn't need to do bounty hunting anymore and this and that. And he's right back to it. I was confused by that at first. Then I'm realizing that it's not the, he's not bounty hunting for the money. He's bounty hunting because he has new... Who's the word I'm looking for? Morals, goals, I guess. Like Boba stopped bounty hunting to rule. He stopped bounty hunting because he like has emotion now and sees it in. And not that he stopped because he's still doing it, but like he sees a himself basically as a father figure to Grogu. So like you see a lot of parallels actually between him and Boba and how they've gone from being this ruthless Mandalorian bounty hunter into what they've become now. Which in Mando's case, 
for the for opening scene, he is the same thing, but it's not for the same reason. Yeah, P, I took a little bit of that in terms of Mana being back to bounty hunting and sort of like him falling back into like, well, like, I don't have the kid anymore. My, what am I supposed to do with myself? Like, well, I'm going to bounty hunt for a little bit and then just you would achieve my new goals. And his new goal is basically find out later on, like, I'm going to check in on Grogu every now and, now and again. So using the bounty hunting here to sort of get information to help guide him forward. So I thought that was an interesting t- twist on him sort of falling into his old rut. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, Nick makes a good point. Like, I, it was a little confusing. It's like, well, wait, I thought he was going to stop because of Grogu. Um, but he, he's looking for information. He's looking to to move forward and, and try to, I don't want to say do the right thing, but it seems like he's a little more grounded. He's not as free as a bounty hunter is, right? No attachments to anyone. I just work for whoever's going to pay me, and that's the end of it. So it was. it's good that they kind of at least stuck with that theme a little bit. It did. And Pete, I also want to mention, after he collects the bounty and leaves, did you notice the that we had basically a long one shot in that episode of him getting on the elevator, going up to deliver the head and then leaving the elevator. That was all one shot. That was pretty cool. Yeah, no, cinematography in this, in this episode was great. Um, And I think that has a lot to do with the director as well. Um, That director was also very, uh, I mean, two episodes in season two, right. Um, For Mandalorian. So she was comfortable with, with how that, episode should have looked in general and i'm sure she had her input when it came to cinematography those one shot scenes are very difficult to do everyone needs to be perfect and it was it was done very well it was and nick we do see he goes in there the bounty like the people who pad the bounty on the on that guy are saying hey you know come dine with us he's like mano says i have no use for this i just want information you can keep your credits. It's like, just tell me how to get to the sub levels, the fastest way there. And then he gets information. He leaves. And we find out he's going down to meet up with the armorer and Paz Vizsla, who are the only two Mandalorians besides himself who are left from the Varro. So the Empire did a real number on that Mandalorian clan that was over there. Definitely. And I want to go back real quick, one sec, to whatever this planet is. What is it, like Halo or something? You know, with the ring? It looked like a city, like a, like a city ship almost. City ship, whatever it is. The concept art on this episode, I think this is really important. The I don't know why, I guess it matters, but the, the concept art of this scene with him flying into the, the ring or whatever it is, in the corner you clearly see, and it's as clear as day in the concept art, the, um, the Sith Infiltrator, which is the ship of Darth Maul. Yeah. As we know, Maul is dead, but... There's been a lot of rumors about Crimson Dawn and Maul and this and that and how he trained Kara and I think it's just the writings on the wall now. I think it, we're just waiting. I, I I don't think it's a theory anymore. I think it's guaranteed we're getting Crimson Dawn. But your little reunion with the the armorer and stuff. They they really I like the armorer as a character. She brings like sort of like some sort of is this a, is this a word mysticism? Yeah, she's like the mystic of the group. Yeah, she brings some sort of like. Some, that sort of thing into Star Wars or into the, into this, not necessarily Star Wars, but into the uh, Mandoverse. And the other guy, uh, Paz, right? Yeah, Paz, Paz Vizsla. Yeah, Paz Vizsla is um, interesting to have a Vizsla around, you know? And you can see right away how jealous he is of the Darksaber and how he just does not like Din whatsoever. And so they take the spear because it's not allowed. Right, 
and they melt it down and they're going to make something in for, for Grogu. I don't know what that'll be. We can have our discussions, I guess, predictions on what it was. At first, my, my thought was before he mentioned it for Grogu, I thought this, I guess, I guess clearly not being wrong because he made something for Grogu. I thought he was going to make a shield out of it and wield like a sword and a shield. Yeah. And that, I thought that would have been really cool, but I guess not. So I guess he's making like some sort of armor for Grogu, I guess. Like what else could it be, right? Like a little shirt or something? Yeah. So, it's so small. So how can it be? He's not going to fit him. I know he's tiny, but he's not that small. Yeah, and Pete, I did like the fact that, like, they did have the t- mention that he's dealt with the spear down to make some armor for Grogu, and we put we, we don't see exactly what it is that, that the armor are made for him, but I like the, the little touch there. They wrapped it in the cloth, and the way the knot is tied, it looks like, Yo- like Grogu's ears popping out of the cloth. Well, that was a fun little uh, Easter egg. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I think it's probably going to be some sort of chain mail, the way that those little pieces came off that she was forging almost like maybe like a Gmail shirt or something like that. Um, really quick question for the group, the, the city in the ring, is that something that has been star Wars before? Or was this new to this episode in the star Wars universe? This specific city is new, but it, it reminds me heavily of the rogue one. Um, open, not the opening scene, but like what well, the second or third scene when Cassie and shoots that guy in the alleyway. Yeah. So why the reason why I point this out is have you guys ever played the game Halo? Yes. I mentioned it looks like Halo. Right. Yeah. So you had said it. So I, I don't know if they ripped it off from Halo or Star or Halo ripped it off of Star Wars. Like I don't I don't know which way it was, but when I saw it, I was like, oh look, it's it's Halo. It's another thing that they copied. Like, you know, they copied Iron Man when Boba Fett gets his armor on and and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, um what were we even talking about? About the uh, Grogu Easter egg. Yeah, Grogu, yeah. So it, I think it was really cool. I think it's, again, a testament to um, to the Mandalorian saying, I want to build something for Grogu, um, even though, you know, the, the, the um, I forgot her name. Um, the armorer. The armorer uh, was like, well, you shouldn't be, you know, best car is only for Mandalorians. And, and he just pulls like a 180 on her. He's like, yeah, but we're supposed to be caring and, and loyal. And she's like, okay, what do you want to make for Grogu? I think that was cool. Um, I think that's definitely character development from first season of Mandalorian and it carries through here. Um, and and I, I do agree with Nick. And I, I also want to say this about the armor. Not only is she like a mystic part, she's also like a calm presence. Yeah. I feel like she's always very level-headed and like, well, this is what we're doing. Like bad or good, she's like, okay, this is the way. You know, just very, very level-headed. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about her, I'm sure, soon. But yeah, no, I liked it. Yeah, she's basically sort of the mom of the group, and she has these two like like different types of sons. You got the hot head in Paz, who Nick also mentioned. We've got to mention earlier that he's also voiced again by John Favreau, who voices the entire Vizsla family going back to Clone Wars. So good touch to keep him involved in that. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and we get that going on here, and then we get the little bit of the training sequence here, and Pete mentioned this earlier, where we saw the callback here. Basically, it's a callback to the Trials of the Darksaber episode of Star Wars Rebels, where Sabine is training with the Darksaber with Ezra and Kanan, and she's struggling with it, and we see Mando struggling with it, and the armor talks to him about how, like, oh, like, you can't work against the blade, you have to work with the blade, which is sort of like the lesson that they were trying to teach Sabine there, so it's nice to see that kind of pay forward here. Yeah. I, I don't remember her thinking it was heavy yeah. the way it is in this, but it's still the same idea of struggling with it. I wonder if it's kind of like, um, in a way, kind of like Thor's hammer. Not like, you know, like, you don't you don't say, we know for a fact you do not need to be a Force user to wield this blade. 
Yes. Because we've seen non-force users wield it. But I think it has something to do with like there's some there's something. You know, there's some sort of mystical thing there that you have to have, very similar to Thor's hammer, where it's like and I don't know, I can't explain it because it's that's what you guys be deemed worthy, basically. I guess I I didn't want to say that exactly though, because I really doubt Darth Maul was considered worthy. You know? Yeah. Like if it means like in a moral sense, like he was definitely not moral. If it would power sense, yeah, of course he is. But I, I just that's that's why I didn't want to say that word. Yeah, and P, I did think it was like the Rebels callback was great. And I did think it was also nice that we got a little bit of history lesson here where we got a little bit of her talking about the origin of the dark We learned about that in Clone Wars a little bit in season two. We got more of that in Rebels. It went on, and then we heard about the curse of the dark saber, where you have to win it in combat, and if it's yielded to you, the the saber is cursed, and whoever leads the, the uh, Mandalorians basically sets a curse on their people. We saw that happen in Rebels season four, where Sabine yields the dark saber to Bo-Katan, and then the Empire purges the Mandalorian people. So I thought it was interesting history lesson combined with that flashback. Yeah, absolutely. I really like seeing that flashback live action. That was really cool. Um, and I do like the lore. I, you know, I, I've always said if I can get more information on something that I'm interested in, especially in Star Wars universe and and those kind of facts, it's a it's a good episode for me. Um, seeing this live action was very very cool. Very very cool um, callback. And I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that the end of this show or at least season three of the Mandalorian starts really focusing on the lore of the dark saber and also Mandalore. Um, I'm hoping this is the start of that. Yeah. And Nick also shamelessly plug here for us that like, if you are not familiar with what we're talking about here with the references to rebels and to clone wars, we have podcasts for you. Go back in the feed. We did full seasons of star Wars, clone Wars, star Wars rebels. So we'll tell you off the top of our head, season two of clone Wars, season three, four of rebels, all these things we reference are all there. Yeah, you can go right to Spotify, Apple Music. If you use something else, I don't know why you would, but if you use something else, you know, go ahead. You know, whatever, whatever it is you use, you can find us there. But, um, so not a question, more of a thought I had is, we don't know. She she mentions it's uh, she uses the word curse, right? Yes. About it's a curse. If you don't, if you don't, no, we don't know. Was Bo-Katan a victim to the curse, or did Bo-Katan create the curse? We don't know that. I think that's an interesting thought. I we're led to believe, I think, that she's a victim to it, but we don't know that. I believe that the way she implied it, Pete, was sort of Darius saying, "Hey, like Bo-Katan should have known better than to just accept the saber." Yes. That's the way I think that that's she. That's how implied she it. made it seem. Yeah. But also, the flashback, if you noticed. They had the little K two SOs going around killing yeah. people at the end. Yes, they did. Another callback. Oh, that, that was yeah, that was another callback. Yeah, Pete, what do you think about Nick's point about the curse of the dark saber that Bo-Katan should have known better when she receives the dark saber in Rebels Four? Um, I think Bo-Katan did know better, but I think she wasn't going to decline it or fight Sabine for it. So I think she ignored the curse like the curse has been there and the lore was there and she was just like it's just a myth or i need to rule i've been asked to rule by the person so it's it's consensual i guess i don't know i i i feel like i feel like it's more on the end of bokatan should have known about the curse and just she's a victim of it yeah let's go ahead now because obviously we have we can't 
you know, have this show and have the idea of the duel referenced and not have a duel actually happen. Because Paz Vizsla, as Nick has said, is sitting in the corner. He's getting pissed. He says, you know what? Din Djarin should not have that dark saber. I should have it. So I'm going to challenge him to a duel for it. Then we get this interesting duel here where Mando continues not to be able to use the dark saber effectively. He quickly gets disarmed of it, but he manages to win the duel anyway because he is quick with a knife and the dagger and manages to basically pin Paz Vizsla down. So Nick, credit to Mando's fighting ability there. Yeah, it was a good fight too. It felt it felt like Star Wars. It was cool. I also like when they were sparring earlier and that was we didn't mention that and I like when he fell off and they used jetpack to get back on. That was kind of cool, but it was a nice fight. It was well choreographed and you know, it was interesting. I kind of thought for like, you know, one of the, it was a fight where I'm watching it and I'm just like, okay, I know he's gonna win, let's get it over with. Like I actually thought, you know, I was confident he would win but i wouldn't be shocked if he lost the fight like as some sort of oh this is another thing for him to do is get the dark saber back because he lost it like it wouldn't be the craziest thing so i enjoyed that and um i enjoyed how like um he left like so we'll get into it but maybe you will i mean that's your next topic i'm not sure but like the next thing right after that was that she has mentioned, do you take your helmet off? And the other guy's like, no. And he's like, do you? And he goes, yeah, like I have. And she's like, okay, you're not a limit. You're not a limit Mandalorian anymore. Get out of here. But I found it extremely interesting. And I loved the, the attention to detail how, yeah, you're not a Mandalorian anymore, but we're going to let you leave with all your armor and the dark saber itself. And I love, I love how they, they, they did that. Cause it's like, that's not the Mandalorian way. It's like, all right, give it to me. No, I have to. I still have to beat you in combat for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Pete, I also love this thing that when Paz Vizsla temporarily disarms Mando and gets the dark saber back, like, like the fact that his family has basically laid claim to it for generations, he's that is not capable of wielding it. Yeah, I mean, back to what Nick was saying, it might just be like a worthiness or power or or something that has to do with wielding it. Um, my question is, how did the armor know so much about wielding the dark saber and how to, like? Use it. I mean, granted, she probably heard in in lore and everything like that, but just a lot of information that she had that I don't know. It just seemed like if it was such a mysterious weapon, and people have only heard about it in like lore, and like only the rulers of Mandalore have been able to wield it. Like, how do you know so much information about how to wield the sword? She's uh, kind of shady. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little weird to me. So I was like, okay, like fine. Like this is Star Wars. We're talking about laser swords and stuff. So if she knows how to use it, she knows how to use it. Fine. Um, you know, and also to Nick's point, it was good that they let him keep the armor and the dark saber so that there might be conflict later. Um, you still have to earn it in combat. You still have to, um, you know, you still have to be respectful to the Mandalore way, even though there's like two people left, apparently, you know, so what they're saying. The, the other thing I found interesting, though, is that she mentioned to him how he can become a Mandalorian again. Yes. And that way is to go back to Mandalore, the, 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 I don't know. It was like underground the mines. mines. Yeah. And she's just like, he's like, well, they're destroyed. And he's like, she's like, well, this is the way. So like now again, I feel like they're setting up him going to Mandalore. Um, again, I don't know what might be there. What's not there. What is there? But I don't want to say it's like an easy out. It's like, oh yeah, you can come to a Mandal back to be a Mandalorian. If you like go to the mines and do something like it, just, it seemed like very, like they're so serious about taking your mask off, but it's so easy i don't know what goes into it but so easy like yeah you have to go back to mandalore and go to the mines and they say you can become a mandalore again it's like okay 
sounds sounds good. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it was a cool cool sequence. Yeah, to go back to the point of the armor, Nick made out the armor, how she knows everything, and then kind of goes back to Mando season one a bit, where we find the group that he's in is called the Children of the Watch. We find we think that they're an offshoot of Death Watch, but the thing I never understood with this is like obviously I'm sure if she got the information from all the Death Watch like people like, telling her things about like oh like this is the history of the Darksaber, and this is who wielded it, and this is how they wielded it, and how they got all their power and all that stuff. But the problem I have is sort of like, the thing I never understood is like, the whole thing about never taking their helmets off. We saw in Clone Wars that Death Watch people were taking their helmets off, and we saw it splinter in Season 5 when Maul takes over. So it's, I wonder where that split happened. It almost seems to me like, and I, it definitely seems to me as if it's like a religion, like Judaism, for example, how you have all different levels like you have your Orthodox where on Saturdays and whatnot, they're not, you know, driving and whatnot. And then you have people who are not that, you know, in that sense and they don't follow, you know, in a way they're all in the same belief pool, but it's like how strongly you follow it. But I see your point. Like when did, when did the shift happen? And, um, Oh man, I gotta remember this. I had a great point. Uh, I'm very mad now. Something that Pete was saying, Pete was talking about, the duel for the saber. Uh, I lost it, unfortunately. Yeah, and we'll let you hear. Obviously, he gets given the quest by man by. Oh, the quest. Got yeah. the quest. That was it. It was. Um, I found it funny. It reminded me of. Uh, it reminded me of Spider Man actually when she said the mines. And he goes, "Well, the mines are destroyed." In my mind, she says, "This is the, that all that. This is the way." It's basically her saying exactly what Toby Maguire said when he goes, I missed the part when that's my problem. Yeah. It was literally, it was, that's exactly what it reminded me of. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a good line. And he gets told what to do to reclaim his honor. We don't know if he's going to follow it for sure yet because he we've seen that he's sort of grown past certain elements of the Mandalore thing. And he leaves. He goes to Tatooine. He takes a transport there. Pete, do we need to waste like five minutes watching him put all his gear in the box and have nothing missing when he came back? I mean... I think it was comic relief, just yeah. like you know. Yeah. I thought it was fu- it was funny, but like at the same time, like I, wait a I enjoyed. Too long. It. I think it's fine. I mean, I think they didn't have to maybe spend time with him opening up the box, and I mean, it's I mean, it's only five seconds. Like, it's not terrible. Like they could have done a lot worse. Let's look at the whole season as a whole. They spent episodes explaining how uh, Boba Fett became a Tuscan Raider, pretty much. So it could be a lot worse. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the three minute sequence that was him arguing with the Star Wars TSA agent, where he had to put everything, kind of set up some tension because you're thinking, wait, he's putting the dark saber in there. What if someone tries to steal it? And then it winds up everything's fine. So you still kind of had that tension, and it's just like, oh, okay, whatever. It, I think it's fine. I don't think it was that bad of a, of a, of a sequence. Yeah, we go. Hey, we I go. actually, I actually loved it. I loved it because. Yeah. First, like Pete said, it was good comic relief, of course. And like it shows me, well, for also, you have to remember he doesn't have a ship. So that's kind of like a, hey, you don't have a ship. So this is what you have to do now, kind of thing. And then also, you ever notice, I'm sure you have, everyone we've ever followed in the Star Wars universe is a quote unquote celebrity in the universe, like Anakin Skywalker and the Emperor Palpatine and all the Jedi and the Mandalorian. We've never followed the average citizen and what they do. Like, how does the average citizen get from, let's just say, Naboo to Tatooine? They got on one of those transports and they got to put their weapons away and they got to sit on this bus with little kids. Like how it's just like in real life, there's always a little kid and the mom pulling the kid down. That's like, you never see that in Star Wars. You never get to see the 
real life person. Like, what about the guy who works in the banking clan on Coruscant who has to commute, work nine to five? We don't see that in Star Wars ever. And it's interesting to see that that does exist. Yeah, he's slumming it with the comic people, Pete. Mm-hmm. Nick makes a great point. I mean, we don't see that side. And it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool insight into what's going on. I mean, I was hoping that the Book of Boba Fett in general, the show would have done it, right? Let's see what's happening on Tatooine day to day, right? Like he's gonna be with the people, you know, trying to protect them and stuff like that. So it, we kind of get a glimpse of it, but like it's not as much as we would hope. This is this is a nice, a nice insight. Yeah, for sure. We, anyway, he does get to Tatooine. He gets all of his stuff back. Turns out he's going there because he got a message from Pelly Motto, who we actually see Amy Sedaris this time, Nick, and she's got a new ship for him, and he thinks it's a Razor Crest. Apparently, the Razor Crest is not the name of the ship, but actually the model. So he says, I have another Razor Crest for you. We have, an, I have this model for you. It's an old Naboo Starfighter that she basically is salvaged, and she's building it out of scrap, and we're, we spend a couple of, I'd say about 10 minutes building the ship and dealing with Jawas getting parts. So I thought it was, that was another callback in this episode that we get the Naboo Starfighter basically retrofitted to be Mando's new ship. Yeah, it was very cool. I mean, very heavy on prequel callbacks in this episode, but um, it was very cool to see. Um, so I know the answer to this question, Mike, but I have to ask anyway, just to be safe. You have 100% ability to bleep out a curse word in post-editing, correct? I do. Right. Are we led to believe that she <laughs> Java? <laughs> Are we? I think so. Okay. Um, yeah. But a great, great scene. Um, the little droid, too. What, what is it? Uh, BD, right? The BD unit, the callback to Star Wars Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order, the same droid model. Yeah, and I, and I loved how he said, where does this piece go? It did it exactly the way it does in the game. Yeah. With the hologram showing exactly where to put it. That was really cool. So a great scene. Great montage. Very confusing about dating the Jawas, though. Yeah, Pete, we learned that apparently the Jawas are very furry. She, I don't know why she had to say it so many times. I think the once was enough. Like, she said, like, three times. She's like, don't forget, I dated one of them. Like, are you trying to tell us that, that that's what was going on? Like, we got it. Like, you don't have to keep throwing it in our face. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. What, were they trying to, quote, unquote, humanize the Jawa that they can have relationships? And I, don't, I don't know where that was coming from. Maybe, again, comic relief, because I, as Nick is laughing under under his breath in the microphone, I'm <laughs> laughing, too, because it's just like where it's just so weird. It's it's so out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. This is a basically the third time she's talking about the Jawa relationship. I'm just sitting there. I'm sitting there going, oh, good for you. I mean, is it really good for her? I, I she was <laughs> like, are we praising that? She seems to have enjoyed it. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, but I don't think we're ever going to find out what's underneath the Jawa's robes, Nick. No, I, I honestly I want to know, but I don't blame them for not telling us. Same with the Tuscan Raiders. I want. I just want to know. Same with the armorer. Who is she? Maybe she's like someone we know. Maybe it's Kara. Asma. Maybe I want to know. I want to know. I mean, I mean, I guess we know what Captain Phasma looks like, right? Yeah, yeah, we we do kind of know. It's, the actress, I yeah, guess. It's, yeah, it's Gwendolyn Christie. She's yeah. It's not her because you know that it's played by somebody else. So that's how. Oh yeah, no, it can't be her. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we do see that he builds the ship, and 
We get to see him taking on a test run out through Beggar's Canyon, the old pod racing course. We get to see some fantastic callbacks episode one here. And Pete, this is a lot of fun seeing him play with the ship. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, finally, uh, a piece of equipment that moves faster than those Power Ranger jet bikes. Yeah, um, that, that, that chasing was a little slow, still good, but a little slow. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, the first thing I texted you guys was like, is that the old pod racing course? It was it was just really cool to see the speed and how he was able to not as a Jedi, by the way, go that fast and be able to pretty much do that course. So remember, in episode one, they're saying, like, usually humans can't do this because um, it's just too fast. They don't have the reflexes. Anakin Skywalker can because he's a Jedi. And now we see the Mandalorian kind of do it. He's going really fast, and it almost looks like as fast as the pod racers, and he's able to do it. So will he be able to wield the Darksaber with a little bit of training? I don't know. It's just kind of it's kind of a little weird to me. That's just something I kind of connected um, while I was watching it. But, um, yeah, it's still a cool callback. Yeah, Nick, I did like how he wanted the ship because at first he's like, no, 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 I want a Razor Crest. You know, like I paid for a Razor Crest. He's like, you know, like it's just, this can be modified however you want. It's fast. It's undetected. It's off the grid. And he's like, hmm. This is interesting to me. As somebody who's trying to not maintain a very high profile right now, I thought there are obviously drawbacks because if he's bounty hunting, I'm not really a place to put the bounty when he when he comes back, but there are a place for him to like store his weapons or like eat or whatnot. But I mean, he's got at least fast transport. Well, maybe it's a sign that we will not be seeing him bounty hunt anymore. And I also love, you know, we saw the we saw the the course, you know, the pod race course from episode one. We also saw Womp Rats sleeping in Beggar's Canyon. Another callback. We mentioned the BD droid. And then Mando decides, let's take it up to the stars. He starts going out into the, I guess, in space, you know, and he is zooming out there before he is unfortunately pulled over. Yeah, he's he goes for a joyride with the ship. He flies by the transport. He said he waves to that kid who we saw earlier on the ship, the Rodian child. He gives him the little like the Fast and the Furious nod out through the window. He flies. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this looks like Paul Walker nodding back at uh at uh what's his name's character in, in the movie. But we get, we get that he gets pulled over by our two New Republic cops, and we get the same the same guy from. Our episode, Pete Frogley episode, where he shows up to help him get out of the ice, you get that directly referenced there. We also get the other guy. I don't know if you know this, but he was played by the actor who portrayed the Bible Luke Skywalker before he got the age. So it was a nice little job to get him some work. Yeah. Um, by the go cops. ahead, Pete. No, yeah, no, I was just saying, you got pulled over by the cops. I mean, I feel like that's another comic relief and <laughs> a nice, you know, and a way to, to bring them in. Yeah. And Nick, I thought it was fun when we see the cops come over. He's like, hey, I got some questions for you about the. What happened? Like, there's rumors about Moff Gideon. Are you the same guy that did this? And he just hits the button and just flies away. I was just started laughing so hard. Yeah, that's those ships, too. That's cool that he can just go. Like, he doesn't, you know, like they mentioned, they, you know, the characters mentioned it. So if you watch the episode, you know what I'm talking about. But they were like, how does he not know how to just zoom? I mean, how did he just zoom? And then, um, so my, my theory is if you're bringing this guy in, do you know his name by any sense? The guy who body doubled Luke? I do not know his name offhand, but I, do, I know it's in an article somewhere. I feel like if you're bringing it in, he's not just there for one scene. I think he's there for his body double abilities. Yeah. And also. P, I also want to mention here that, like, 
that this cop we see before, like, I do feel like this is sort of thrown in, because remember, all this is probably written well in advance, and that I feel like he was going to be a guy who popped in that Rangers of the New Republic project that ended up getting canceled, basically, because Cara Dune got, Gina Carano got herself canceled in real life, and there are r- rumors going out there right now that this thing got, is going to get retooled into some stuff into Mando. There's rumors a spinoff being centered on Bo-Katan. It's supposed to be a big part of that show, so I wonder if we're getting seeds dropped here for stuff that these guys could be involved in later. Probably. I mean, I think... Uh... I think this show in Mandalorian has done that really well to to kind of pop thoughts in your head to say this is coming. Um, so it, it's it's smart to do. I don't. I have no. I think it's. I think it's a good idea. I don't, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, Nick. I also want. I want to ask you real quick here. Like, does it feel odd that like the Galactic Republic, the New Republic? I know they just got formed like five years ago, but they have the same three cast controlling the entire outer rim. Yeah, it does seem weird. Uh, he was also in the one when uh, Grogu went to school. To school, yes. And they teased more on that show, and I, I noticed that this character's name is Carson, and I feel like it's the first. I'm sure we can think of another one if we think about it, but it's one of the first normal names I've ever heard in Star Wars. I'm sure I'd think of another one if I think for you know a couple like Ben, I guess, as normal, but. His name was Carson, and that just seems odd. Well, Luke Skywalker's a real name. Yeah, but there's not many. And you like, you famously ranted about Tristan in Rebels Season 4. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to that. Tristan, Carson, Luke. Who else? There aren't many. Would Rex be considered a regular name? It's more normal than Com- most of the ones we see. Commander Cody? Yeah. Some of the clones did, but they're not. Those aren't the real names. No, there's not really real names. I mean, like we have now, we have the Holy Trinity of Luke, Carson, and Tristan is our real name characters. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, like no, no, I don't know anyone named Han, or and I'm sure there are people named Anakin, but I feel like it might be named after Anakin. Yeah, it's certainly true. I mean. And I do think this guy gets, he does get quite a lot of work. He gets incredible mileage on that ship where he's going from basically every star system in the outer rim. Yeah, well, probably needs an oil change after that. Yeah. Anyway, also one thing I want to mention before we wrap up the Mando plot in the episode here is that like, did you mention, did you catch the part where they're talking about how they modified the astromech section of the ship to something smaller, which to me, Nick, very clearly that's where they want Grogu to ride in the ship in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. We can, I guess we can talk about this now, but like, I don't want to say I don't want to see Grogu and Luke, but at the same time, doesn't it give it more of a... Like, not seeing Luke for all these years and then seeing him show up without knowing in Mandalorian Season 2 really brought like a feeling of magic to it. And like, if we're going to see him like once a year, is it going to be as magical? That's a good point, Pete, because we do have this whole thing where when Grogu and Luke leave at the end of Mando season two, we're like, oh, we're not going to see him for a while because he's going to be off Jedi training for a bit. And we figure out oh, maybe it's like some sort of crossover and he shows back up for. But if he's here about a year and a half after we last saw him, it doesn't feel like that long a wait. It's not like the absence is really earned for us. Yeah, I, again, this might be them trying. If, if we do see Luke, it probably is just them trying to pull content and pull viewers. I hate to say it that way, but like I, this show, in theory, shouldn't even have Luke Skywalker as a mention. Not even the Mandalorian, in theory, but they went that route, and that's totally fine. I think that route is completely fine. Their organization of the show is a train wreck anyway, so why not? 
But in theory, this show probably shouldn't have had mention of, or even screen time, I should say, mention is a different story. Screen time of Luke and the Mandalorian. We don't know if there's going to be screen time of Luke. Um, we it, it seems like it's inevitable at this point, but um, it, it does take away from it. If we're going to see him now every other episode or every other show, it's just kind of like, oh, there's Luke. Like, it's just not going to have that wow factor anymore. Yeah, and we get to now the end of the episode where we actually remember, oh, wait, we're in the book of Boba Fett because he comes back. He's talking to Peli Mato. He says, oh, one of your friends showed up and I locked the door. But of course, it's FedEx. So FedEx gets in anyway. She makes Boba Fett an offer, makes him an offer, Mando an offer, and says, hey, look, like, you looking for work? Here's some credits. Like, we need muscle. And then he's like, wait, Boba Fett wants my help? And she says, yeah. And he's like, okay, it's on the house for me, but first I have to go see someone. And then that's our role of the credits here, so... Nick, it took us 47 minutes. We finally got back to the Book of Boba Fett plot. Yeah. Um, right back to the preview show. Doesn't work. There's not enough content. Yeah, it does not, doesn't work. There's not enough to tell. Yeah, and Pete, not surprised that we got Fennec in here, but like when the credits actually started rolling, were you surprised that we did not see Boba Fett at all? Very. I thought at least we'd see him and Fennec show. Um, I thought I thought it's the it's his show. Where where the hell is he? I, I thought he was going to be in it, um, but very surprising. Yeah, and also we, before we move on to some of the concerns we have about this episode, what this means to the show as a whole, I want to say here is like they basically threw out here that Mando is going to go see Grogu and deliver the content. Let me throw this theory out here. Is it something we do not see on screen, Nick? That he goes and then he comes back at the end, and maybe Grogu's riding in the in the in the ship with him. Um, it's possible, but I if it is it does happen, I don't think Grogu will come back with him. I think he would just like visit him. Yeah, I think it's possible we see this off screen. He comes in late to save the day, Pete. Maybe that's what we have going on here. It is it's very possible. Well, yeah, that was my concern. My concern is you spent you'll spend a whole episode of the Mandalorian, then he leaves and doesn't come back until the end of episode seven. If he was going to be that important in the show, put him in the show. Um, I think he's just going to visit Grogu, though. I don't think we're going to have Grogu come back. Yeah, I just had a I just had a really bad thought. Do you want to do it now, or you want to do it later? I will give it to you now as my worst case scenario. If we don't see it next week any of this mando's gone he comes back in seven kicks some ass you know they win obviously they're not gonna lose right they win and then in mando season three we have the flashback to when mando decided to go see grogu oh god (laughs) and we have to sit through flashbacks of that and that's to me that's the worst the worst case scenario along with the fact that no one else shows up like if that's just if it's just like boba taking care of business next episode, episode seven, they start fighting and then Mando shows up and that's it. Like there's no one else involved. That'd be the worst case scenario, I think. Yeah, I think for sure. I think there is a possibility that we're not going to see the meeting on screen. I think we're going to sort of have it teased in a flashback somewhere in Mando three. But again, we had like, they seem to know how to write Mando better. So I don't think they can actually execute it better than what they've done here at Boba Fett. I mean, you know, where is all their budget gone so far? I feel like all their budget went to this episode. Mm-hmm. This was the this was the best CGI and the best 
looking episode out of the whole season. I wonder if they're, they blew their whole budget on all the Mandalorian scenes. So maybe we do get Grogu and, you know, young Luke because that's where their budget went. Yeah. Let's now get to, to the concerns of this episode. Cause obviously we watched the Mando season three premiere in disguise. And there were the point where about 20 because every few minutes. There's I kept pausing. Like, okay, this is a while. He's been here a long time. We've doing a lot. At one point Pete, I was sitting there thinking like, did they up, like did they upload the wrong episode here? Like, did they just give us the band up premiere by accident? Then I'm like, oh wait, no, this is the actually what they meant to do. I should have realized that when they did that hideous musical overlap beginning of the title card where they tried to mash up the Mando and Boba themes. That was horrendous. Yeah, you know, I was talking to my friend Steve Nasty, um, who's also a Star Wars fan, and he said, I literally, and you said this too in the text, and I think we all kind of resonate on this. I, I feel like we watched the prequel to season three, or at least episode one of season three of the Mandalorian. And it's funny because pretty much every single episode so far in the book of Boba Fett has reset and given us 10 more questions and zero answers. They didn't do it so much in chapter four, but they did in chapter five, they reset. They gave us a whole different character, a whole different storyline. And it gave us more questions and zero answers about what's going on with Boba Fett in the current timeline. Um, it doesn't work in the season. It's a great episode. I'm glad that they're moving in a direction where maybe the season can be enjoyable now because you're using the Mandalorian, but oh my God, it doesn't belong. Yeah. And Nick, again, the thing that shocked me is like, I'm looking at this episode. It's like, again, the show is called the book of Boba Fett. How do you not have Boba Fett in the actual episode somewhere? Like, that to me is mind-boggling. I can think of two examples that remind me of something with this very clearly. At least the character appeared. One goes back to Bad Batch. When we had the episode where we got the origin of Hera and Chopper, where the Bad Batch were in for five for about two minutes dropping off weapons, and they leave. But at least we at least saw them there. The other one I can think of, Pete, is Stranger Things Season 2, when Eleven goes off to find her siblings. The episode was panned horribly. We never heard from them since. But, Nick, I think that's a big problem here, is that the show is called The Book of Boba Fett. You need Boba Fett in there somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I, I don't mind. The reason I mind a little is because it's only seven episodes. That's why I mind a little bit, but I don't really mind because it was good and it makes me more pumped for the end. But maybe at the end of the day, if you go to, for example, if you go to the, um, the Wikipedia page for this, this show, the Boafet said, I'll tell you right here, part of the Star Wars franchise taking place after the events of Return of the Jedi. You know, the next the next sentence. It is a spin-off from the series, The Mandalorian. And at the end of the day, I think it's just that. It's not its own show. It's not a real like thing that we need to get behind story-wise. It's just a spin-off of the Mandalorian. That's it. Yeah, Pete, even with that being now, do we know where it came from? Both had showed up in The Mandalorian, and we had the kick-ass scene at the end of the season two post-credits where he kills Bib Fortuna and takes the throne here. Even if we did this episode, and we say it was, you did your thing. We combined all the first words. I was squishing into two. This is episode three. We have four episodes left. I don't feel much more positive about it being episode five, and we have two episodes left. We have no idea what we're going to do with them. Yeah, I mean, I think the organization, I've said it probably 80 times already on this podcast. The organization just not correct honestly this would work better as a mandalorian season three and just have some backstory on boba fett in the first couple episodes then introduce mandalorian uh you know um episode three or four and then have another 10 episodes i, I think that 
that would work better than doing this. I'll be honest with you. I don't think they wanted this to be a spinoff of the Mandalorian. I think they created it. And as people watch it, they said it was a spinoff of the Mandalorian. And I, and I think that, you know, I could be hundred percent wrong. People could have been, um, that created the show said, we're going to do a spinoff of the Mandalorian. And that's just the way it is. I have a funny feeling like you've, you Nick said, this was supposed to be the movie. They saw how bad Han Solo did. So they tried to make a show and they took two hours of content and spread it to six and it just doesn't work. And they just kind of have to go by that label of spinoff because what else are they going to go by? Yeah. Even so and, I've seen spinoffs that are much more organized than this is. Well, I think, I think it's proof that they had no content. If they have to bring the main character of another main show that is still going on in your Disney plus just schedule right of a production if you need to bring a major star into a different show that show's failing it, it, there's no there's no content there if you have to bring the storyline of a different show into that show you know yeah that's kind of where i come from where the show is kind of not good right the episodes as as separate episodes they're good they're, they're quality live action star wars nick said it time and time again who doesn't want live action Star Wars at this point? We, you know, it's 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 fantastic to watch. Love live action Star Wars, but if we're gonna talk about the show as a whole, I don't think we can. I don't think we can ignore that they had to take a storyline plus a main character from their bigger Star Wars live action show and supplement it into the show. I think we have to take that into consideration when it comes to the show as a whole. Yeah, it does also feel like Nick a disservice to Tim Morrison as the star of his show, where he it's his vehicle. He's Boba Fett, and he's not even in this episode. And I think to me the problem is like that everything they sort of wanted Boba Fett to be, you know, all us as kids sort of visualize him as this badass who has this epic backstory. Like they gave it to Mando, and then they had nothing left to do with Boba Fett himself by the time the show came around. So now they're sort of like, uh oh, they gotta get them what they want, so we'll bring Mando back in and give them the taste of what they thought they were getting. Um, I mean, possibly, but you know, these these are not like written and directed and and filmed, you know, as they come out. So it's not like they watched the first four or so people's reactions like, okay, drop this one now. Like, they, obviously, it was planned out, but but I find it interesting with this show. It's like at the I want more episodes and less at the same time. So if this season was only four episodes, it would work because they could just put all the content into four episodes and done. Or if it was 12 episodes, it would work. And I find that a unique situation where it's too long yet too short at the same time. It would work better shorter and it would work better longer. Now, we don't know what happens in episode six. For all we know, six can go right back to Boba on Tatooine, recruiting, bringing people in, as you mentioned, show the Grogu thing off screen. And then seven, Mando comes, says, I did what I had to do. You have your your army, and it's a full out war. And honestly, if that's what happens, I, I would like that. I think it's like, I think it would end up as a decent season, and it, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I think we're going to follow Mando for the entirety of Chapter Six, and then we're going to come back in Episode Seven, and it's just going to be Mando and Boba with, you know, with the Cyberpunks and the Gamorrean Guards versus the Pikes, and that's it. And no one really cares about the Cyberpunks and the Gamorrean Guards. So it's really just Boba, Mando, and Fennec against the pikes and black kind of disappointing yeah and black guy which is kind of disappointing when you think about how many theories we've had and who he's going to recruit 
especially in, I mean, more so in the beginning, but even more so now, like as we're getting closer, it's like, oh, Cad Bane and Bosk and uh, what was the guy's name? The Marshal? Yeah, uh, Cobb Vanth, yeah. Yeah, like him, like people that have a lot of ideas thrown around, and now it might end up that all he got was Mando and Black K, and that's it. And it's like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we have three different shows sort of going on right now, which is obviously the, the the movie stuff, which is the flashback, the present stuff. Now we have Mando stuff. And the thing I think that I don't think it's talked about enough here, Pete, is that, like, for this episode specifically, as great as it was, you need a baseline knowledge of the first two seasons of Mandalorian to get anything really out of it. Whereas I know that the vast majority of the audience watching this show watched Mando's two seasons, but... The number of people who did not watch that and just came in from Boa Fett here is not zero. And they're going to be confused as hell watching this episode. They are. That number is probably still very low. It's not zero, but it's there's probably still a couple stragglers. But I don't think it's I think it's a very low number of people that didn't watch Mandalorian if they're watching Book of Boba Fett. But I, I think it just plays into what I'm saying. You have a character and a storyline that is from a different show taking over another show that should be your indicator right there that they didn't have enough content and the writers were scrambling for something to make a full show to say hey let's let's put this out um you're right if you don't watch mandalorian you're not getting the end of this season at all and that's not good because if you want let's say there's a hardcore star wars fan out there that says i'm not watching any new more any more new star wars because the new movies are crap I don't trust it. So they even give Mandalorian a try and they go, Oh look, the book of Boba Fett. And they watch this and they're like, well, who the hell is he? What are they talking about? Very confusing. Very, very confusing. Just adds to the season, you know, just adds to the confusion of the season and to the questions. You know, if I'm watching this as someone who's never watched the Mandalorian, not only am I going to have questions about the Mandalorian standpoint, but I'm going to have questions about the book of Boba Fett on top of, well, who is the Mandalorian? Who is he trying to see? What's going on? Like, who is Grogu? I don't understand what's going on because maybe people that don't watch the Mandalorian know that Grogu's the child. So, it, yes, I think it adds to the season, and I think that they needed to do this. But I also think you're right, Mike. I think this is going to confuse the hell out of anyone that has not watched the Mandalorian season two. Yeah, Nick, to bring Pete's point up a little bit, it's like sort of the idea of bringing another character and take over a different character's property. Then look at think of here, like if we had Spider-Man Homecoming, where Spider-Man is in the first like two thirds of the movie, all of a sudden Tony Stark takes over and they finishes the entire movie and beats the bad guy. At what point are we sitting there like, why did we watch the Spider-Man movie have Tony Stark's off to save the day? It doesn't work for me. I don't fully agree. And I'm actually I'm honest, I don't agree at all. And I'll tell you why. Because we live in the era now where all of this content is on there. It's right in front of you. It's one click away. Right underneath Book of Boba Fett is recommended Mandalorian. So if you didn't watch it, that's your problem. And I think that number, by the way, is probably less than a percent to way less than a percent. Probably half a percent if even. So, like, it's there for you. If you didn't watch it, watch it. It's there. It's not like it's coming out on television on a weekly thing like TV used to be where it's on ABC at 9 o'clock. And if you missed it, you missed it. Or if you tune in live, like, it's not like that. You watch it when you want. Just because the episode came out today, people don't have to watch it for a year from now. It's on there. People may still be watching Mandalorian season one right now. So I don't really go into that. Like, did you say that when you watched Avengers Infinity War? Like, oh, if you didn't watch Iron Man, you wouldn't get it. 
Well, I mean, that's part of it. It's all part of the same universe. No one's going to watch it if you didn't watch Iron Man. Yeah, it's like more of the point, like, I example, the Spider-Man thing, where, like, if, like, in that movie, for example, Spider-Man runs into a problem and Tony Stark comes in and controls the rest of the movie and solves the problem here. I think that would be my, like, my comparison to what they, this episode ended up doing. Uh, uh, that that point, fine. But the point of, like, whether you watched The Mandalorian or not, you'd be confused. I don't think that's a big deal. I think people, have, you know, I just, I just talked about it. But to your point, Mando comes in and saves a day. I think it's clear as day now. We are now about Almost two and a half years since Mando debuted. Came out like November of 19, pretty much like when Disney Plus came out. I think the first episode was the first day, right? Yeah, they dropped one the first day. I think they had another one like two days later. Yeah, so since then, it's clear as day, Din Djarin has overtaken Boba Fett as the cool bounty hunter Mandalorian guy. Even if this show didn't happen, he did. This this show only hurt Boba more, but he took over as I know there's a lot of people who are probably upset about that, but that's the way they wrote it. They wrote the character to be a character like Vader and that there's more to him than just this. And that's what happened. It did. And let's get now ahead. We'll go into some of our trackers here. And for the first time we have movement on the character draft board. Nick is now taking the lead. He has one point out of Mando he has also on his team Omega and Bo-Katan. There's a, Bo-Katan was referenced in episodes. He not appear. Could still appear, theory, because they could go look for more help. Pete's team hot is a uh, Hunter, Chopper, like Hunter, Sabine, and who was your third one? Oh, Moff Gideon. Moff. Was mentioned. He was, was mentioned. He was mentioned. So Moff Gideon mentioned, not appearing. And then my team was the Hondo, Cad Bane, Chopper team. Nick right now has the lead. If Mando does show up in each of the next two episodes, I think we're both cooked, Pete. Uh, I was cooked when I first made, like the first episode I was cooked. I, I, don't, I don't think that I had a chance ever from the beginning. So uh, I think, I don't know. I, I just, I, anything can happen in the show. Chopper may show up randomly tomorrow. Uh, excuse me, next week. We, we don't know. So you might get the point. I don't know, but but yeah, I think I think Nick's got one. Got this one in the bag. So I th- I think I got it. But if what your prediction, I don't know if it's your prediction, Mike, but your idea of the fact that it might be off screen and with Grogu, that would mean we're assuming he comes back for seven, right? Yeah, exactly. that would give me one more. It would give me two total, assuming I get nobody else. You could get two total. You have two episodes with three characters who are still possible to make an appearance. You could. I'm not thinking you will. You could get six. It's not. It's not impossible for you to get six. I think my best scenario is four if he hires Hondo and Cat Bane to help him. I don't think Chopper's showing up anymore. I agree. It's not impossible, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I agree. You're not. You're almost definitely not going to get. I do think though, it's very possible that you end up with two or more. It is, I really do. So, so I, I don't think this is over yet. I do also think that considering we went to this whole Mandalore route, I think Pete is dead either because he could have Sabine show up twice. You could, you could. I, I don't look. Uh, who was likely. your third member? You had Hunter. Who was your other one? Off Gideon. Gideon's not entirely gone. I don't think he'll show up. It was mentioned. I only had Hunter though. I don't think. Well, I, I thought Moff Gideon would have been more of the, not the the flashbacks, but something like earlier before he was kind of turned in by the by Mando. That's kind of what I was thinking. But obviously, it's just kind of like dead in the water now at this point. Yeah, you're. I, my guy, I, st- I still think your theory is right with Thrawn. I still do. 
All right, so that's the character draft board. So Nick right now is to win the Hondo Funko like like a uh, Funko figure. So that's impo- exciting for him. I will be. I will be. I guess you can't see my desk. It's probably too short. It'll only be about this high. You can't see, but maybe I'll put a book under it or something so you can see it when we do it. Yeah, and now we're going through our trackers we do every week. Key track certain things going back to all the animated shows. Hondo at 18 appearances. Pete, we're losing hope by the minute he's going to show up. He, he's got to be somewhere, though, for Disney to put him into a, a, a ride. He's got to be somewhere. Got to be. I think, it's, I think it might be Obi-Wan. That's a really good guess. I mean, Obi-Wan and Hondo have that relationship. So it, that friendship, whatever, it, you know, I, it's a possibility. I think we have to see him in the Mandoverse because it's like after the sequels and stuff. And it's like, he's got to be, we got to know what he's up to with that. And after the sequels, they have to be original, like during the sequel era, I mean. Because he's alive. We have to see, yeah, we know he's alive. So I want to, we got to see him. Yeah. Uh, Bo-Katan referenced that, so did not appear. She's still at 13 appearances overall. So it's also a possibility here, Nick, that she could show up maybe as part of the force they're hiring here. Definitely possible. If she doesn't show up, though, we know we haven't seen the last of her. No, I feel like she's going to be at least in another show, if not getting her own show. That's a, that's a rumor right now. Yeah, I think we'll definitely see her again at some point. The Darksaber update for the first time this season. We're up to 14 appearances total of the Darksaber, and figure if he's coming back, we we'll get this again, Pete. Yeah, Darksaber was cool. Always love the Darksaber appearances. Yeah. Dark, and still in possession of Mando, as referenced here by the graphic, but... Next up here, our animated character tracker. We're up to, we're still on one, thanks to our rat droid from last week and Mike Pagan's favorite character, Nick. And now he's still on the board, memorialized forever. Yeah, it is. You know, I think we'll get zero more. No, no, wait, excuse me, one more. We could, like, I think the one's going to be Cad Bane. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. All right, next up here, the Mando character tracker exploded this week. It's basically a Mando episode. So we went from one to six. We got Pelimato back again for a second appearance. Mando himself, the Armorer, Paz Vizsla, and our new Republic pilot friend. So six appearances from Mando characters, Pete. Yeah, I mean, we're probably going to get more in six and seven. So Question. those trackers. Do her droids count as Mando characters? I would, we didn't count them the first time. I don't think we're counting them again. Because yeah, if they had names, yes, but they don't have names. Their, their so name was their name was droids. Yeah. It's not like it's not like for, all, like for all we know, they could be different droids than they were in Mando, and she got new ones. We don't know that until it's confirmed that it's the same ones. I say we leave them off. I think we leave them off because again, she could have replaced them. They could have different yeah. names. Could have, she could have like replaced the memory units. We don't know. Yeah. All right. And the last one here, ruling with respect, still at num- number one. So I think Pete, our only shot here is if Mando shows up and Boba says, "You know, I'm trying to rule with respect over here." That's only shot getting that one again. I I think we overhyped it. I don't know <laughs> if we're gonna get it again. Maybe like at the very last episode, if something's going on, he may like. I, I forgot who said it. Someone said it in the podcast. I don't know if it was one of you two or, or our guests that, like, at the very end, just kind of like I rule with respect or something like that, but. Um, I think we may have overhyped it a bit. It would have been good. It would have been funny to see how many times if they if he kept saying it. But unfortunately, I don't know if we're going to see it again or hear it again. I should say. Yeah, I think this is our fault. I think it's the trailer's fault because that was the line they hammered in every single version of the trailer. Yeah, unfortunately, I actually I do not think 
this one's over. I think we're going to hear it again. I really do. I do. You could say it's the Pike. Say, I'm intending to rule of respect. Mm-hmm. True, true. Or to Mando, as I as I just theorized. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, before we wrap up this episode, I did remember... And before we get to our MVPs and stuff, I did remember a, uh, an Easter egg from the episode that I wanted to bring up. I, I was trying to find it before we jumped on the recording, and I couldn't find it, and I just found it. And the armorer tells Jin that the Mythosaur rise, rise up and herald a new age for Mandalore. Now, the Mythosaur is a beast, giant, dragging-looking you know, creature that was only used in legends. And then she says to him, sadly, it only exists in legends, which is really just a nice callback to say that this is not canon anymore, because then Star Wars refers to their non-canon material as legends. Uh, and it's not the first time, it's not the second time, it's not the third time either, that Star Wars has brought legends material into the quote unquote new canon. They did the same thing in um, uh, Solo with the, what is it called? The, how do you pronounce it? Is it Terakasi? I think so. Yeah, Terakasi, the fighting style. It's a video game on the N64. They brought it in, and that's the style of fighting that Maul used, and he taught Kiara that fighting. So don't think if Kiara shows up that she's going to be like a just Amelia Clark, good-looking girl, hiding in the corner. Hello, like. Um, she can fight. She was trained by Mole. So it's not the first time they brought Legends up in Canada. I thought it was really interesting. All right. Now let's get to our MVP, LVP rankings here. As we do every week, we gave out the best of the episode, worst of the episode, character points, or possibly other production points. So to reset where we are at this point in the season here, Fennec Shan on top of the leaderboard, plus five. Then a tie for second at plus two, team Boba Fett and the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Black K on the board, thanks to last week's guest, Mike Pagan at plus one. The Gamorrean Guards, thanks to me from the first episode, plus one. Now our negatives. Bib Fortuna, thanks to his horrible security set, uh, hires, negative one. The Tuscan Raiders, negative one. The Rodian Prisoner who got stirfed in episode one, negative one. The Twins, negative one. The Towel Rat, thanks to Mike Brescia, negative one. And then tied at the bottom here, Madam Garza and the Mayor's Assistant at negative three. So we'll get to the MVPs here. I want to toss out here. Is anybody giving a MVP point to somebody besides Mando? No. Nick? No. I Honestly, I think a better question is, if you had to give it to somebody else, who would you give it to? That's a fantastic question because this really was Mando's episode, pretty much. I would say the armorer, I guess. If I had to, you know? The honorable mention would be Pally Mato to me because she helps him build the ship. I would, I yeah. would, pro I would probably give it to the one who builds the ship first. I mean, the armor is cool, but like, what did she do for the episode except for make Grogu's thing and just nothing? It just really throws me off that she mentioned her relations with the Jawas. Sure. Sure. All right, now let's get to the fun part here. Who gets the LVP here? Is a character? Is this production? Is it somebody else? Nick, who's your LVP of the episode? Boba Fett. It's his own show. He didn't show up. <laughs> he took the week off. Yeah, are you kidding? Where was he? 
Yeah, so yeah, he's dropping him below the Cyberpunk Power Rangers in the in the MVP rankings. Yeah, he he wasn't even there. <laughs> he's cashing those residual checks, Pete. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it. Um, if I could, before my LVP, I would like to give an honorable mention of the MVP to the director. Bryce Great cinematographer. Great vision. She just did a phenomenal job. Um, so my LVP is the writers to put this in the middle of a Boba Fett show and have a different character from a different storyline that's still in production take over your show. It'd be different if Mandalorian was done and we weren't going to see him ever again and he took over the show. It Just really bad organization. We had talked about this last week, Mike, probably off air, like, hey, it's weird that we haven't given it to the writers. I can't give it to Boba Fett because he wasn't on screen, but I can give it to the people who made sure he wasn't on screen, and that's the writers. Yeah. May I offer a suggestion here? Because I was going to go out direct too. I have a different sort of idea here for this because I think, can we group this together and put Kathleen Kennedy on the board and ha- call it her problem because she's the one who oversees all this? I, I don't know. I mean, I, get specific. If it's, you want to say writers, it's, it's John Favreau. He wrote the show. So yeah, I'll give him the MV, the LVP then. I, I don't. I would normally because I mean he's everything he's done has been great, but the show just just I I feel bad for him though because I feel like they just gave him the scraps of the book of Boba Fett movie and was like make this a show. That's why and I, I think, want. That's why I give it to Kathleen Kennedy because she's probably told to make this a show. Yeah, maybe. I don't want. I want to put blame on people like on air that don't deserve it, but like I just I I don't know if I can blame. How about we? How about we just call it production as the LVP? Yeah, but production in this in this episode was good. Like the the actual like show, the actual episode was good. Why don't you guys say showrunners? Yeah, sure. Well, let's call it management. <laughs> Disney. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It just the show organization as a whole, LVP. I think we'll just stick with the writers as canon here because let's call because that's sort of our general catch all for production and like any question yeah. issues you have with them. So I think we'll call it the writers. We never individually blamed a specific writer before. So yeah, so we're gonna say the writers. I thought I will mention the Pads Vizsla for getting himself stirred despite the fact he grabbed the dark saber off of Mando. Couldn't wield it. Couldn't wield it. So he gets the LVP. Now we're going to our episode rankings, and this we're gonna do a little different this week. In terms of where we are in the season right now, episode number four, I think, actually is the highest rate right now. It's 7.13, chapter four, The Gathering Storm. Chapter two is second, The Tribes of Tatooine, is a seven. Number three on the list, chapter one, Stranger of Strange Lands, a six. And last but not least, chapter three, The Streets of Moss has a 5.33. I think we have to do this in two parts here. So if this was a standalone Mandalorian episode, Nick, what are you rating it? 10. I didn't have one issue with it. I thought it was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it at all, except as I mentioned earlier, I thought it was a little annoying, but I got over it pretty fast. I thought it was a little annoying that he went right back to bounty hunting. It reminded me of the sequels, how Han Solo went right back to what the smuggling and you know, how they just, and I, you know what I'm trying to say. All these characters who had all this development just immediately turned on it, but that wasn't the case. We had learned he was doing it for a reason. So, that was my only gripe with it at all. And it was taken away after like three minutes when I realized why he was doing it. So 10. I'm giving it a nine just because my one complaint, I was a man. So I think the build of the ship was a, a tad too long. I think we could have shaded a couple of minutes off of there. I think we would have been fine. 
And Pete, last but not least, if you went on the internet today and they said, oops, they leaked the Mando season three premiere on here, here it is. What would you have graded it? Um, I would give it a nine. Uh, I, I, I'm not so mad about the shipbuilding sequence. I just think that the only thing that would bring it up is if we had cameos or if we had something that was like an extra wow factor. Um, so I'm going to give it a nine. All right. Now the fun part. As an episode of the Book of Boba Fett, how are we grading this? Nick, I'll go to you first. I'm going to give it an eight. And I will tell you why. Because it's the best episode of the show to me. And I gave all the other ones lower than an eight. So to me, I had to put it above all the other ones. And we talked about how good it was. We're all giving it nine, tens and whatnot. And the fact that it doesn't involve Boba Fett to me knocks off two points. Uh, Pete, how do you feel about this? I I have mixed feelings about it. I understand where Nick's coming from because if we're talking about the show, this is the best show. I have to rate it higher than what I've given it, and that's true. When it comes to fitting in with everything that's going on, I, it's like a one or a two. Like it just it just comes out of left field. Great episode, fantastic episode. Probably what the show needs has nothing to do. Nothing to do with what we just saw for four episodes. Literally up until the last minute of the show. If if I'm going to rate this, mine's going to be in two parts. You could take the higher one. That's totally fine. It is the best episode of the season. It is considered a Book of Boba Fett episode, so I will give it a higher rating than I've rated them. I'm going to give it a seven. The reason why I'm giving it a seven is because it's a little out in left field, but it is a Book of Boba Fett show. But in theory, when it comes to the show as a whole, it doesn't even belong there. So it's like a one or two for me. But you can give it the seven because I'll stay with what Nick is saying. It is a Book of Boba Fett episode. Even if it doesn't make sense to what the full storyline is, it still was a better episode than the rest. So I'm going to score higher than my rest since give it a seven. You're making me be the low, the uh, bad cop here on this one. <laughs> I'm not used to this. I'm going. You gave it a nine as a premiere, so don't feel like you're the bad cop. Yeah, I think just like the the fundamental issue I have with its place in, in the season here, the fact that it's here, it's not earlier. It's that we should be building up for the stretch run. We had four episodes of whatever we were doing with these characters, and we only saw one of them for about ninety seconds here. I think for me, like just those problems, it was fun. I enjoyed the hell of it. I gotta give it a four. It's just you know. It's not it's, a terrible rating. It's got like it, the quality of the episode overall was what saves from being a two or a one, where Pete was saying what it should be. But to me, the issue is just again, like it's the book of Boba Fett. We don't have Boba Fett in it at all. We have Fennec, the other lead, for 90 seconds. We have none of the other characters we spent four episodes getting to know in the past or the present. It's a great Mando episode. It's not a great book of Boba episode. It's fair. And I know another get- Easter egg, Mike, that I thought of. When Mando takes the ship out into space, he gets out of the ship. Says, "How did you like it? Do you know what his response was?" I forgot. He said, "It, it was wizard." Yeah. Do you know what that's from? Oh, isn't that an Obi Wan reference? No, that's from. Um, oh God, how do I pronounce his name? Kiss Kitster. Anakin's friend from episode one. He says, um, 
when they build the ship, he says, oh, that's so wizard. And that became, I mean, they didn't know they had memes back then in the Phantom Menace. That became like a meme that he was like, oh, that's so wizard. This is so wizard of his words. And they brought it back. He said, it's so wizard. So they're bringing the slang terminology from Tatooine in episode one back into Star Wars. All right. Well, you ha- there you have that. Those are our ratings here. We'll update the board next week, see where this falls. And last thing we do here, chapter six predictions. There's a chapter five. Here's what we had going on here. Nick's, I'm going to throw out any of the predictions related to the present timeline because nothing actually happened. Here are the ones that are relevant. Nick said episode six will be the live action debut of Mandalorian. Missed by one episode, Nick. Close. Close, but no cigar. Pete said there will be a flashback which we did get in the Mando Mandalore getting destroyed flashback and that a Mando character showed up next episode and they leave before the last episode. So good job, Pete. I tried. You, you're nailing, I... you're nailing predictions. You've got two in a row. It looks like. You're going to love my predictions for the next upcoming stuff. Yeah. I said it was, um, I, uh, mine was completely off base. Mike was completely off base. So now see chapter six predictions here. Nick, your prediction. So it pains me to do this, but my prediction is also the worst case scenario for this show. I predict next episode. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. For next episode, I think it's great. For the full show, I think it sucks. Next episode, I think we follow the Mandalorian again for 90% of the plot, if not 100. He finds Luke and Grogu on whatever planet they're training on, whether that's Dagobah or Endor, something of those lines, a planet we've seen before. And to be honest with you, he might have Leia with him too, because we know he trained Leia after the Return of the Jedi. But that, and that's not part of my official prediction, but just remember that I said that. And I believe that he's going to learn from Luke how to wield the Darksaber. And I think he's going to leave then without Grogu. That's where I want you to stop writing. For, for the future, but I do think that then he'll come back and in episode 7 he will team up with Din Djarin, the Black K, Fennec, the cyberpunk people, they'll take down the Pikes, and that's it. And I think that sucks. But I do think at the very end you will get the Crimson Dawn appearance, whether that's from Kiara or Thrawn, we're still let, you know, not sure, but I really think that sucks. I don't think we're going to get Cad Bane. I don't think we're going to get Bosk. I don't think we're going to get these cameos, these people, these condos. And I really think that sucks. Now, it's kind of hard to complain when the cameos you are getting are Luke Skywalker. But it's not what we thought. And as we mentioned earlier, it kind of takes the magic away when you bring Luke Skywalker back twice in 13 months. Do you have any prediction for the Boba Fett of it all? In the next no, episode. I don't think I don't think he's going to be in it. And if he is, it's going to be like a quick scene, like, "What's up, Mando?" I'm like in a little pound, and that's it. All right, so I'm going to go out here and say I think they tip us off here by not doing the music again. I think the music was the, was the tell last time that Mando was going to be a big presence. This time, no music here. So I think he's going to be off screen most of So I think I'm going to recycle the chapter five. I think we're going to get the Boa Fett recruiting hour here, where you just again have another Chessie's episode where he's going around and. He and Fennec are getting allies. We already know he's got Mando. He's going to go get some other people. We're going to get Cad Bane. We're going to get Bosk. We're going to get some other randos. I mean, Black K has friends we don't know about. So 
it's the Boa Fett recruiting hour, and then at the end of it, they, they are gearing up for the Pikes. I hope you're right. I really do. All right, Pete, you said you had a fun prediction, so let's see where you're going. Well, Nick kind of stole it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go 50-50 on both of your predictions to see if I can hit this right. I think half the episode's gonna be Mandalorian going to see Grogu, and I and I actually was gonna say that Luke was gonna train him using the dark saber. Um, but I'm gonna say the other half of the episode, back and forth, they're just gonna split it up is is Boba Fett recruiting. I think they're gonna try to split it up so you can still fo- follow Mandalorian and also follow Boba Fett, and then episode seven is when it all like comes to a head. Now. I have a season three of Mandalorian prediction because of what we saw today. Okay. I think, and it might be a little early, but you know, I just, I want to throw that out there because it might be the end of this book of Boba Fett season. Um, I think to set up for season three of the Mandalorian and the reason why they're bringing the Mandalorian to almost take over this, uh, this season is that maybe he becomes what Boba Fett is to most isolate. The, the Daimyo, Daimyo, I don't know how to say it. So Mando rules the, the Don. The Don. Well, I think because the Mandalorian has nothing else to do, right? Except for go back to Mandalore and like go to the mine shafts and be a Mandalorian again. Maybe he takes over for Boba Fett. Maybe Boba Fett's like, yeah, I'm done. I, I have I can't do this anymore because he we, he hasn't been a badass this whole season. So maybe he's like, hey, since you seem like you're more fit to help these people out, you should be running this this place. It makes sense for him to come and take over uh, the show. Question for you, Pete, about your prediction. When you say half the episode Mando, half, let's just say Boba Fett, do you think it's going to be, let's just say it's an hour, a half hour, then a half hour, or like a normal show where they're going back and forth? I think they're going to keep going back and forth. So, So first I made my prediction, which is what I don't want. Then, Mike, you made yours, and I said, I hope that happens. Then Pete made his. Mike, forget it. No, I don't want yours to happen. I want Pete's to happen. Uh, Pete's about that's, that's my ideal situation. Pete's been on fire, so I would, be, I would expect Pete's to happen for both hours. That's my ideal situation, and then I, I, I don't want him to come back with Grogu. I think that completely defeats the purpose of Mandalorian. I don't think that's happening. All right, so those are our predictions. We'll be back next week. We have a guest potentially in the hopper. I still have to confirm who it is and confirm the timing is still good, so I'm not going to announce it here. But I want to thank you guys for coming on here. Pete, if you want to find social media, I can do that. At PJ Constantory 29, still a lot of hockey stuff going on. All-star games coming up, which is pretty cool. Uh, other than that, give me a follow. All right. And Nick, you give out file suggestions every week because you're not ready to reveal your Twitter to the to the streets yes yet. So who is the file suggestion this week? Well, it's been the same for a while and it's gonna continue until we find a coach, but it's gonna be at NY Giants. But I do have big news, and that is uh if Luke Skywalker appears in this show in live action. I will give out the handle. So if we get young Luke again, you will give the handle out. Yes. All right. You guys will follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. I just give out some plugs here at the end of the episode here. We follow the sports podcast over on Justin the Suffering. We did the conference championship preview with Matt Verderam. Pick from Fanside picks with our good friend Joe Chaffee. Nick, he did the picks this week for Championship Week, and oh, I gotta, gotta tune in. Yeah, you got to tune into that one. Episode just dropped on the day of recording, so that's in your feeds. You want to check that out there. You want to get the Sky Guys episode there as well, but it's not going out to the weekend, Pete. So if they want to get earlier, they gotta to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast feed. They they have to subscribe, and uh, the NFL needs to change their overtime format. That's all I know. 
Yeah, they do. So I would recommend, again, subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast, all your favorite podcasters. Pete, as we mentioned several times, you get the episode the day after we record. So that's a huge advantage for you. Day after, you watch the episode on Wednesday. You listen to us on Thursday. Nothing gets better than that. Nothing does get better than that. And Nick, if they like what they hear, they should leave us some feedback and star ratings. Help us make the podcast even better going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why would you not want something great to get even better? That's all you could say. It is great logic. We'll be back next week with a guest TBD for chapter number six as we are closing in on the end of this very strange mishmash show. But until then, have a good week, everybody. May the force be with you.